Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. We're going to spend some time reading the Bible now. Um, Today's Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 2. If you grabbed a Bible from the church foyer, it's on page 832. Um, It will also be on the screen behind me so you can follow along. So we're reading Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 39. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said to the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled in what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, and the daughter of Penuel, in the tribe of Asher. She was very old and lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. It is Christmas. We will be getting to that passage about baby Jesus in just a moment. But before we do, let's spend a few moments in prayer. There are a number of people who are uh, sick at the moment with COVID and other things, and we want them to uh, be starting to feel like they can enjoy Christmas and not be burdened by that, as well as some of the things in our country at the moment that are making life hard Uh, like the shooting of a couple of police and that uh, guy coming to help. So we'll be praying for a few of those things. Would you please join me in prayer? Dear Father God, we just thank you that as we read this, this Bible verses, Lord, we thank you for the good news of Jesus, that you come into our world. And Lord, as we reflect on that, sometimes it feels like it's, it's really messy. Lord, we just pray for those near and dear to us, particularly those are part of our church family who are not well, whether with COVID or other things. Lord, we pray that in this season of joy and happiness and parties, Lord, we know it's miserable to be at home and not connecting with others around them. 
So Lord, we just want to commit them to you this morning and pray that you'd uh, help them to be better for Christmas, to have time with their families. We pray for those who uh, maybe don't have arrangements for Christmas, who are far from their families, far from their friends. Lord, Christmas can be sometimes uh, a very sad time of year, seeing other people out and about and that you, you're missing out. So Lord, we want to commit ourselves to you in that too, that you would help us to comfort those around us, to involve those around us, to show love and compassion to those around us, um, particularly for those who are in a sad season. Lord, we also think of those who are grieving at the moment. Lord, uh, it is a messed up world when people are killing others and because of conspiracy theories and taking lives into their own hands. Lord, we pray particularly for the families of the two policemen. We pray for the family of the neighbour who went and was shot as well. Lord, we, it's just a, re a reminder how, as a people, we are selfish and self-centred. We can be paranoid. We can dislike others. But Lord, at Christmas time, help us to reflect on the good news that you come into this world to save us, to give us hope, to give us joy and to give us life. So Lord, we pray as a nation that through the ups and downs that we will reflect on you and your goodness and that you will be glorified and people will have that hope and assurance of eternal life in you that you have come to comfort and make things right. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How are you going with your Christmas decorations? Because I know a lot of people go over the top with Christmas decorations, but I've also been told by some other people that unless you've got a real nativity, a proper nativity scene, you're not really into Christmas, especially if you haven't got a baby Jesus, because that's what it's all about. So I'm here to help you. If you're one of those people who haven't got a baby Jesus in your house, I'm your friend this morning. See, at Amazon, you can find a baby Jesus, $110 for a little baby Jesus that you can have in your very own home. If $110 is a bit over your budget, you can buy the $22 version. Let's just say you get what you pay for. Or you want to make a big statement. Let's have a big Jesus. Why would you go for these little small things? Why not an eight metre high Jesus like these guys? <laughs> bit spooky. But... Um, I believe the Carol's team is looking at that for church next year, actually. Now, let's go Big Jesus in church, something like that. Or if that's a bit over the top and you want to tame it down, you could go for a painting, an artwork of baby Jesus, like the medieval artworks of baby Jesus. Baby Jesus with a six-pack. It's kind of, what is that about? But it's all about baby this is what christmas is all about god coming into the world as a baby as a child we need to embrace it and if you're like me you maybe get excited about christmas excited about the the celebrations the decorations and think well is it really about jesus as a baby surely easter's the big thing easter is when jesus rises from the dead easter is a time we celebrate the hope we have in eternal life that there's more to this life. Surely Easter's the big thing. But yet we get stories like the one we had read out for us earlier in Scripture, in the book of Luke, that makes a big deal about baby Jesus. It's not just a couple of verses, it's a whole lot of verses. Jesus was a baby. And people got excited about that. One guy's even dancing and singing with Jesus. It's kind of like, 
There is a big deal going on here, but do we actually get it? I'm not sure whether I do appreciate it. How about we have a look at that this morning to find out what is the deal? What is the fuss about baby Jesus? We're going to meet a few characters this morning. The first one is Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, Jesus, mum and dad. Uh, we get the story. They've already uh, given birth to Jesus. They've had the shepherds. If you've got your Bible there, there's just a story before. The shepherds, the wise men, that's all happened. But now it's time. They've headed off to Jerusalem for what they call these purification rites required by the law of Moses. So they're off to take Jesus to be dedicated. Now this is a process where in that day, so first century Palestine, it's their Jewish community, uh, it is in the law of Moses. If you had uh, your firstborn male had to be dedicated to the Lord. It's like saying, God, this is yours. You're actually giving the child back to God. And in that process, you bring a gift to get it, the child back again. Uh, it sounds a little bit weird in this day and age, but it's actually designed to acknowledge this is not your child. It would not happen without God. So God's given this child to you, dedicate it to God, give it back to God, but you can get it back with a gift. Also, going to Jerusalem, to the temple, uh, they are, these guys are taking a couple of birds, a couple of doves. Uh, you could take a couple of lambs if you're wealthy enough because while you're at the temple, you would do a burnt, you need two, one for a burnt offering, one for a sin offering. And that is, these animals would die to pay for your sin. So it's required by the law to be right with God. Your sin needs to be dealt with. Animal must die. So for Mary and Joseph, they may not have brought it with them. You could uh, buy these animals at the temple to go, here's my, my offering. One to be burnt, one to be killed as a sin offering. But this is no easy task. You would do this for your first child, but what have you done for your first child? Because I tell you, for Mary and Joseph, to go from Nazareth to Jerusalem, where the temple is, is 150 kilometres no cars, buses, planes. It's the, if lucky to have a donkey, 150 kilometres is pretty much a week's hike. We don't know exactly how old Jesus is, but mum, dad, the young child going off for a week's hike into Jerusalem. That's no easy task. As well as you've got to know that it's not normal for this to happen. What is normal practice is just the dad goes. You don't have to actually present your child at the temple. The dad could go and say, look, we've had a son. Uh, here's my sacrifices. Here's my prayers and my gift um, to, for the dedication of the son. The dad could come home and it's all done. It's fulfilled all righteousness. But for Mary and Joseph, they've done the week's hike into Jerusalem. And this, is, this, this costs, right? They don't have annual leave or public holiday. They don't have Christmas holidays even back then, even though it is the first Christmas. They don't have Christmas holidays, but they take a week off to hike to Jerusalem, to the temple. Then while they're at the temple, they've got to rent a motel room because they need somewhere to stay for the whole family, not just dad. And then after all that, they go home. But it's stressed how Mary and Joseph has, have gone above and beyond what is required. They're making a big deal about this baby. And they want everybody to know about it. Like they're, they're there. They want to do it. 
been told they've got the Son of God. So they want to take him to the temple. And through this passage, you might not have picked it up, but it kept saying, when the parents brought the child to Jesus uh, to do to him what the custom was of the law required, and then at the end, when Mary, Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned back to Galilee to their own town, Nazareth, another week's hike home. This is like over a couple of weeks, cost and money, drag a baby, what do you need? All that extra baby food, nappies, you're going to wash on the way, like how's this going to work? This is a big logistic thing, a big cost and a big fuss that Mary and Joseph are doing for a baby, for a baby. But they're not the only ones that are making a big fuss about this baby because they're in the temple and they meet this guy, Simeon. Simeon, what we're told, he's a righteous man. Righteous and devout. Righteous means he's right with God. Now, he's a good, more than just religious man. He's right with God. He's genuine. He's devout, which means he's not just talking the talk, but his actions back up what he believes. He's righteous and devout. And you might notice there, he has the Holy Spirit comes on him. This is significant. This is no ordinary guy hanging out of the temple. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament, after Jesus, comes on all people who believe. But the, old, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament comes on very few people. Sometimes it's kings, sometimes it's priests, sometimes it's um, the prophets. But a regular guy, very rarely, there's something special going on with Simeon that the Holy Spirit would come on this man. So he's no just ordinary man. He's known to be righteous, devout. He's got the Holy Spirit. And we're also told about him, he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. It's not a word we use at all today. Uh, it just, it's a word that means to console. They're waiting for Israel to be consoled or comforted. It's probably a better word. Waiting for Israel to be comforted. Now, what's he waiting for there? Because he's a righteous and devout man, he, he would have been familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. And back in Isaiah, it talked about God comforting his people. Now, this was really important. Isaiah, the prophets are in the Old Testament, it's in our Bibles, in Isaiah 49, it talks about God comforting people because in that time in history, Israel had turned their back on God. Israel were God's people. He gave them a land. Look, I'm going to bless you with everything you ever wanted. Just trust in me, worship me, praise me, because I'm the one who provides it for you. And over time, they got a bit bored of that. They saw all the other nations. They had other gods and other traditions. So they started adopting other things that were going on. And all of a sudden, they were ignoring God. So God said, okay, at that time, you're, as my children, I'm going to discipline you. And I'm going to discipline you by bringing, you want the other nations? Sure, you can have the other nations. So he allowed Assyria, this other big mighty nation, to come in. Assyria come in, beat them up, and were taking them off to slavery. Israel were being, you know, punished big time. But in that judgment of God, saying, I'm going to allow Israel to come into you, this is 700 years before Jesus, 700 years before this happened, I want you to know there is hope, there is comfort. So in this message of judgment, you need to take this seriously. Isaiah was also saying verses like this. So this is a bit of a skim through Isaiah 49. 
This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favour, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, uh, and in the day of salvation, I will help you. So even though Assyria is coming in and beating them up, God's saying, I'm your, I am your saviour, I will come. And on that day, he goes on to say, Shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth. Burst into songs, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on them, uh, on his afflicted ones. God is the God of compassion. On that day, it'll be a great day. And then he says, then all mankind will know that I, the Lord, am your saviour, your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. God's saying, you will know for sure how strong I am because I'm going to send a saviour, a redeemer, a comforter, all those words. I am going to send that to you. Now, for somebody like Simeon, righteous, devout, would read these words and go, 700 years ago, God promised that's a promise, right? God will come to comfort his people. But it's 700 years ago. After the Assyrians, the Babylonians come in, beat them up again. Then the Persians come in, beat them up again. Then the Romans come in, beat them up again. Currently in the first century, when all this is happening, when Jesus was born, it's under Roman rule. Where is this comforter? Where is this redeemer? When is God going to fulfil his promise? So Simeon, the righteous and devout man says, I know he's going to do it. I know he's going to come. On that day, we will rejoice. We will be filled with joy. I'm just waiting for that day. I'm waiting for the day. And this is where we pick up Simeon's at the temple. Oh, sorry, this is why he's at the temple. Not only the Holy Spirit led him there, because this is the day, because the Old Testament prophets were also saying, this is right at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, saying, I will send a messenger this is God saying, I'll send a messenger who will prepare the way before me. That is John the Baptist. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking, this redeemer, this, to give, bring compassion, the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The message of the covenant whom you desire will come. Simeon's clinging on to that. This is what I desire. I want the Lord, the redeemer to come. So now he's at the temple, led by the Holy Spirit. He's in the courts. And all of a sudden he sees Mary, Joseph and Jesus. Uh, and he sounds like he just goes up to him, pinches the baby. Because it says, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God saying, and the way it's written, it's a bit hard to get in the English, but it's like a song. He breaks out in singing. So you get in the temple, this old man pinches this baby and breaks out in song. Praising God, sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Yet the reflection on Isaiah now, you may now dismiss your servant in peace because he's been hanging out for this. This has been his life ambition, his life in purpose is to see when the Saviour, Redeemer, is going to come to bring compassion to Israel. Now he's seen it. I can go in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. You have come. Today's the day. Today's the day things are going to change. It's been bad. Things are a mess. Things are in chaos. But finally, God has come good on his promises. Today is the day. Now, on the one hand, 
You feel the joy for Simeon. He's an old man. He's been hanging out for this day. He's like a soldier that's been waiting at the castle, to, for, waiting for the king to return. He's guarding the gate. A day goes by, no king. A week goes by, no king. A year goes by, king hasn't returned. When is this king going to return? But today's the day the king has returned. And now he says, I can be dismissed. I can leave my post. For this case, my purpose in life has been achieved. I've seen the redeemer. I can now die a happy man, full of joy. So on the one hand, you feel the joy of him. He's seen that God has fulfilled his He's promised by coming into the temple. But you also got to feel the other side of it that he's actually looking at a baby. You know, he's holding a baby in his arms as he sings these words. You know, the baby hasn't done anything. You look at the baby and it's got those little, little hands that maybe like grip around your finger. His little feet and his little toes hanging out the bottom of the cloth. You know, he hasn't not that impressive you see he got to cradle his head because his head can't support anything it's like he's a little baby but it's made this man so excited so fulfilled it's almost like Simeon he's not worried about the how is God going to redeem his people he's not worried about what's it going to look like I need to see the day when Israel's he's just happy to know the who all God's promises relied on the who. Who is the redeemer? Who is the saviour? Simeon's like, I've seen it. I know it's a baby, but I've seen it. And he's happy, filled with joy. And he makes a big deal. I mean, he makes a big deal about this baby, right? For an old man to go around singing about a baby, that's a big deal. But he's not the only one. Because, as you'd imagine, a baby's brought around and who else is drawn to little babies? More old people. Old people love babies, right? Old Simeon. And now we meet another senior. Oh, sorry. There's, there is a little note that he is making a big deal because the children's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. They're like, he is making a big deal. But as soon as that happens, this lady, Anna, comes up to him. Now, we know a little bit about Anna too, we're told. She's a prophetess which means she's somebody with a gift from God that brings God and God's word to the people. So she's got a special gift. She has a special role in the Israelite community and hanging out at the temple because we're told she's got a big family tree. She's a true Israelite. So she's a prophet. She's a true Israelite. And even though um, she's a widow, she's, been, uh, she's 84 years old, which is extremely old for that time in the first century, we're told she never left the temple of worship night and day, fasting and praying. She is devout. You can't live at the temple. That's not allowed. But it sounds like every time, the, in the, early in the morning, the gates open, she's the first one into the temple. Late at night, when they're going, everyone out, we've got to shut the gate, she's the last one out of the temple. Every day, she's at the temple. Praying to God, drawing near to God, fasting. Most widows in that age would be uh, worried about how they're going to survive, particularly if they've got no kids or family. So they're out begging or just doing something to make ends. She's just devout, trusting in God at the temple, praying. And as she does that, she sees Mary and Joseph, and she, uh, we're told, 
coming up to them at that very moment, sounds like at that very moment Simeon's finished, Anna goes up to them and she gave thanks to God. So again, she doesn't steal the baby like Simeon. She's a bit more politer. She stands back, but she gives thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Everybody's waiting for God to come, for God to come to make things right. It's not good that they're under Roman rule. It's not good that they're in the temple. They're in the temple. This is God's house. This is not the original temple. This is Herod's temple. Herod's a Roman governor. He's just done it to, to win more votes and to get more support. It's not right how they're living. They need a redeemer. So she seems to be going around as Mary and Joseph are walking throughout the temple and throughout the courts. She's going around saying, look everyone, this is him. This is the redeemer. This is the one that's going to save Israel. This is the one that's going to make things right. She's making a fuss about this little baby Jesus. But what, if you were there in the court, temple courts, you're there, you're going about your business. Most people would know of Anna, I reckon, if she's there every day. She's a prophetess, so she's speaking the word of God. But all of a sudden, you hear her voice really excited, really loud, saying, this is our redeemer, this is our saviour, this is our comforter, he's come, he's come to rescue us. What are you doing? You want to go and have a look, right? Who is this person? And as you're going, you see the crowd building, you're walking up to it. What are you thinking? What are you expecting? You're expecting a bit of a warrior, maybe riding a horse, because that, that's the leader, redeemer that we want, a warrior. Maybe uh, a cape, because that's what they wear. Maybe a crown to show that he's an important person. This is what you're expecting. But when you push through the crowd, who's Anna talking about? A little baby. A baby. Again, it's like, what has this baby done to deserve this great honour? What has this baby done to deserve this great fuss? His head's not even strong enough to support a crown. His legs are wobbly, can't even walk. His mum has to cradle him in, his ar in her arms. But yet, he's the redeemer, a little baby? What's all this fuss about? But she does make the fuss. She's overjoyed because things are going to be all right, things are going to be okay, because redemption has come. But we've got to ask the question, what is all the fuss about? Jesus is only a baby at this point. He hasn't done anything, not just for them, but for us. We're 2,000 years later. What's all the fuss about this baby? Well, we can see it through their devotion to God and God's promises, that when they see the baby, what are they thinking? My devotion hasn't been in vain. My God is a faithful God who sticks to his promises. My God is the redeemer, the comforter, and he has come, even though we see it as a baby. They know their faith is not in vain because today is the day. Today is the day at the temple where the Lord enters in. And they know it. Simeon's purpose in life was to wait for this day. And he got there. Anna can see, speaking the word of God. She's there every day, praying at the temple. You know how hungry she must have felt every day at the temple? While other people are begging and getting food, she's fasting and praying at the temple. Every day she's there. Surely other people are starting to go, 
Is she wasting time? You know, is God really going to answer her prayers? She's an old woman. But today's the day. She knows it's not in vain. It's all coming true. So even though other people might have seen a baby, they seem to see something much more significant. That when they see the baby, the head that can't even support itself, let alone a crown, will one day grow up to be a man that will have a crown jammed on his head. That he will be mocked for being king of the Jews and beaten. The little hands and the little feet that they can see and they can hold, they're so soft, will one day to grow up. Grow up and have nails put through those same hands and the feet as he's nailed on a cross to be the redeemer, to be the saviour. The baby who received all the fuss will take the place of those pigeons and the lambs being slaughtered every day for those sin offerings. He will be the offering for people's sin, not just for Mary and Joseph, but for all people. He will give his life as the sin offering so we can be saved and made right with God. So he will make comfort for his people that we can come to God. He did it for us. That little baby grew up. And what was going on at that temple that day must have been exciting, but it's not just for them. There is a message for us 2,000 years later. What do we do with that? What do we, lessons do we learn from Anna and Simeon, even Mary and Joseph? See, is our devotion to God a waste of time? You know, what are we living for? What are we hanging out for? Is it the return of this Jesus? Jesus come once, he said he will return to take us home, to bring ultimate comfort, to bring ultimate salvation, to be with him forever. The disciples then talked about it. We get verses like this. It's all sprinkled through all throughout the New Testament. But I just picked these from Titus chapter 2, where it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus has appeared. Jesus is the saviour, redeemer, the comforter, all those things. And as, because he appeared and saved us, brings us salvation. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So now it starts talking about this same devotion. Devotion that Simeon and Anna had. To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live uh, self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now we are waiting for his return, yeah? He gave himself for us uh, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, when he reappears, when he comes to us, what sort of people is he going to find? That same devotion, that same people who says, I'm not going to give up. I know God is faithful to his promises and he promised to return. So I am going to wait. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be discouraged by all those people who think I'm wasting my time. I'm going to stay devoted because I know he's faithful to his promise. He's promised comfort and I'm going to wait for that day. I'm going to live for that day. It is a challenge for us. Will we be like a Mary and Joseph? 
that nothing is too much for Jesus. They go over the top. They go beyond what is expected for Jesus because he's truly Lord. Will you be like Simeon, that we live for that day, that nothing else in this life will give us the same satisfaction as when we see Jesus return for us, his people. That's what we live for. Are we like Simeon? Or will you be like an Anna, that drawing near to God is never a waste of time? Every day, those reading, the praying, the drawing near to God, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Every day, her whole life. Will Jesus return and find the same reception from us? We want to be the people that that's talking about, the people that are waiting, faithfully saying no to the ungodliness, no to the world, saying yes to Jesus and waiting for, eagerly waiting for his return. Let's be those people. Let's be those people. So this Christmas, it's not just a baby. It's about a baby who saved us, redeemed us, is comforting us, and we wait for his return. Let me pray. Dear Father God, just thank you for this amazing message, this great picture of what it was like 2,000 years ago. Lord, at the excitement that they would have had for Simeon, for Anna, to go, today's the day. Today's the day we rejoice. We have seen the Saviour, Redeemer, the Comforter, our Lord. Lord, as they were filled with joy about the fulfilment of your promises, Lord, we turn to you now in a similar way. Lord, it's been 2,000 years. It feels like a long time. Many people look at us, go, you're wasting your time. He's not there. But Lord, help us to be a people devoted to you, that have confidence in your promises, and that we would live that out in a life of devotion. Lord, help us to be a church community that is that beacon in our world that says there is something better. It's not the what and the how, but the who. And we're waiting for you to return. Keep us strong, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.